Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Thank you for joining us for this Independence Day version and edition of Take Two. Joining me is Mara Carabello and Greg Hughes. I'm Heidi Hatch with KUTV2 News. If you're new to the podcast, thanks for being with us. So many important things to talk about. We were not here last week, which was kind of an earth-shattering day with the Roe v. Wade uh, decision coming from the Supreme Court. Since then, we've had several other big decisions. We had a primary election, and so we've got a lot to catch up on this week. Ooh, so buckle up, everyone. But before we do that, though, I think a lot of companies I noticed when I was coming in downtown have kind of given everyone a four-day weekend. It's quiet. It is. It's a slow day. Yeah, so anyhow. Heidi and I are wearing red and blue in honor of the great country we live in and and Greg's, Greg's in black. Gray and black. I just want to, you know, he's wearing black today. Yeah. I know. I actually thought about that because I was getting dressed and I almost put like a light pink dress on and I'm like, that doesn't feel appropriate because I feel like there's got to be several days you that you dress yeah. like a let fire. Me, let me tell you why. Celebrate tell America, you why. Greg. Because everybody's getting soft. There's no four-day weekend on on 4th of July. You're either going to get the Friday off or the Monday off. We're getting the Monday off. So there is no and Friday, 4th of July. And then I'm going to add to my monologue. Yeah, add to a four-day weekend. Why don't we just take the whole week off? Why Can even, TV why 2 News and Sinclair Broadcasting made it a four-day weekend. They made Friday really? and Monday a holiday. Yes. Nice. I and know. This outrage Jeez. is also coming from someone wearing shorts. So I just I want I want to temper <laughs> yeah. some of Greg's statements. You're from your the boss beginning. too though. You can decide yeah, I can your own day. I can, wear, I can wear shorts. Every week is I a won't. four day week for you if you want to. Oh it. please. I look I work. I work every day. <laughs> Ask I would go to my office to play like Xbox. Do you have like any games there that you play at your office? No, but no, I do business. I probably do read probably too much political stuff when I should be working though. Mm. When I'm at my we office. all do that. I know that there's been a lot of stories lately about whether it works to work from home or not. And I was home yesterday feeling half okay, half not great. So I was working, but I get too easily distracted. I'm like a gnat. I'm like, oh, I'm going to do some laundry. That's what I think too. My my sort of social um, challenge came from uh, the very first of when we all stayed home for COVID. I rocked about five weeks, <laughs> and then That's I was good, I started to squirrel right yeah. away. I mean, I was just like, "What about that?" Oh, I should do. I don't know how people. I don't have the discipline to stay. At I home. have to get dressed like an adult mm-hmm. and go to work and sit at my desk to I do, do it. Too. But I don't know. Yeah, I guess I, you know what? I have I, lack I, of self control. I'm exactly the same way. In fact, I remember way way before pandemic. Like even in the '90s, people say, "Would you like to start a home based business?" Would I like to put bamboo shoots under my fingernails? No, I would not like to work out of my home. I would like to leave and work and then come back and have my home be where I, I, I live, not where I work. And same with the gym. If you have, if I have, like, my wife has a lot of uh, exercise equipment and she works out at home. I have to get in the car and go to the gym or, or I'll just pass it. I'll just walk past the <laughs> equipment every day. Hang I get so used to it. it. I'll never, I'll never use it. So I have to go and commit myself by, like, physically going there. 
I'm better at it that way. But if Work you're at and home gym. and you're not driving right now and you want to write this down, there's this German <laughs> Barbie doll. I do her workout videos, and she doesn't look tough, but she is. Her name's Pamela Reif, and you could do anything from a beginner workout to yoga to she just kicks your butt where you can't walk for days afterwards. And R- most I- of the videos. R-E-I-F-F, I think, Pamela okay. Reif. She has a YouTube channel, All Free Workouts, which was great for the pandemic if you were home. And, um, yeah, you can do it. My wife is a – Chris is a connoisseur of all these. She knows all the good ones. Oh, yeah. But she's been doing this um, these little trampoline things. She's been doing it for a long time, but now they're becoming more – in oh, they're hip, the little ones. My mom had that in the eighties. It gets, you, it gets yeah. your. It gets supposed to get the to- negative toxins or yeah, something it's good out for of your, your lymphatic system, system. Yeah, something like that. But she's been doing that for a while, and it's good for your core. It's good for all these different things. But she's been using those workout videos on YouTube for a long time. See, we bring you so much good yeah, information on this on. podcast yeah. that you really right. never knew you needed. Our work here is done, but we yes, are going to keep going. I Health know. and wellness. We, you know. <laughs> We, we covered the whole gambit. I know. And when we get done with the politics, I want to know if you guys are blowing anything up or if you're behaving and doing laser light shows or doing <laughs> bubbles for uh, the 4th I'm of July. Okay. Uh, so, oh, and you have some good news. You have your son home. Yes. yes. Back from New York. It, I, I don't think his two-year mission was way quicker than mine. My two years that I spent as missionary was a lot longer than it this It was kid's. like solitary confinement. My gosh, I swear time. it was a long time. My memory bank, it's a long time. This kid, feel I feel like he just barely left. But he came home on Wednesday it was scary because there were so many flights being canceled. And I thought, man, my goodness, my wife and her stone cold crazy sister, Lindsay, <laughs> if these two, if this kid was stuck in stone Dallas, cold she, no, she's, they're all crazy, but she's crazy. They would just be screaming at people. It would have been screaming at ticket agents. It would have been screaming at TSA. It would have been a disaster if that flight, if my kid had got stranded was in on time. Dallas. The flight right before his got canceled or delayed, his got here on he time. He could be rich. Divine intervention. Yeah. I saw that they were offering people on Delta ten thousand dollars to I not take their flights, too. and I'm like, ooh, why did I not have a flight? I would I, take the ten thousand dollars and sit it out. My wife would have killed my son if it took ten grand to not be really? there on time. Oh, Seriously, she's she's she started to just tear up when you just mentioned that he's coming home. She was so excited. Wow. Yeah. Well, so when you grow a baby well. in your room, mm-hmm. it happens that he's way. Hanging out. Yeah. Everything's he's hanging good. Out. Is yep. he? He's normal. Yep. He's he's doing well. He grew up a bit. He's been in the Bronx. He's been in Queens, Brooklyn. He's uh, got to see. He's he grew up Draper soft. I'll admit it. You know. Does he have an accent do. now? No, but he. Uh, yeah, that's too bad. But you know, mm-hmm. he's he's really self conscious about. <laughs> I I asked him about his Spanish. You know, like speak some Spanish. I wouldn't know if he spoke it well or not. But he doesn't want to. He's he won't unless it's. He wants it to be a real conversation. Yeah, like he he's not just going to He's just not going to yeah. talk like he's that. Not he's not trained. Yeah, he doesn't do it that way. So that'll be good. He should keep that up. That is a huge. No, skill. I do. I, do. I want him to. And and uh, anyway, he had a phenomenal experience. And uh, anyway, it was good. It well, was, congratulations it's, it's to have on getting a kid back home. It's, it's always a good feeling. It is. Well, uh, some people have good feelings, some don't, after the primary election on Friday. I was really interested to see how voter turnout was going to be because leading up to it, it was so, so low. And last time I checked, just in Salt Lake County, they were up to 41%, which is not great. Well, do you know but what the total statewide number is? I haven't you know? seen the statewide number. And no, I, don't I only know. saw the Salt Lake County. Yeah, I don't know if there's a way to look on the Because I don't know percentage, but I do know that, that in 2018, the highest – Voter turnout had been like 325,000. Mm-hmm. We thought, I thought in a campaign I ran, a little campaign I ran 20, that we thought, we, we modeled like 365 being like the, the record for of the records. For the county or for the state? For the state. And it ended up being half a million. So yeah. I we would like to know what the, the... The percentage last go was 62. Like we've been performing yeah. like rock stars. Yeah. This one was soft. Yeah, Which was interesting because there, there were so, so many. many primaries, and they were statewide. Like they yeah. were in every little. I noticed a nugget. lot, I, and I don't know if, what trend this 
what this speaks to, but there were some very competitive Democrat primaries. Yeah, and I don't usually see competitive Democrat primaries, no. or I haven't noticed them like I did this year. And then they were big ones. Yeah, we've got to talk about that. So um, we'll get to the congressional races in just a minute, but. Um, First of all, the big upset, which I think everyone was waiting to see what would happen. This is a Republican uh, primary. Utah County DA David Levitt lost amid the ritualistic sex abuse case, his own personal talk of cannibalism. (laughs) I honestly, sometimes you don't know how many people watch the news, how many pay attention. And I was like, you know what? I bet he's still going to get... um, not elected, but I guess win his primary and head to the to the finals this November. And I was surprised. Mara, were you surprised? Or? I was. I did the same thing. I thought, you know, despite all this, do people still say, oh, I, I know that name, love it and check it. Yeah. I was also surprised that it was pretty definitive that he lost. It, yeah. it wasn't it a squeaker. Re- it really Yeah, it was 75, like 75% or something. Yeah. yeah, it was a definite spanking. So even if they're still adding up votes, there's going to be nothing exactly. even remotely if, um, close there. If we took just if we take just positions and everything out of it and we just look at it as campaign elections 101, the candidate with the broad and very popular name ID and $400,000 for a countywide race Versus someone with very little to no name ID, Jeff Gray, with $50,000 in a campaign fund, uh, you will not find very many uh, races where the yeah. $50,000 low name ID candidate beats yeah. the high name ID $400,000 candidate. And the interesting part, too, is there was another candidate who dropped out and his name was still on the ballot. Yes. And so that's, it's interesting. Isn't that, isn't that something? That's even so, crazier. Yeah. So yeah, people will listen if you unusual. say cannibalism. So. That's, what, <laughs> that's what stands out. This but, was a really pretty unique discussion. But that guy said it discussion. himself. He's the only one that was ever saying that using those terms. It's yeah, the, there are several case studies we, I think we can draw oh, from this. Race. I know, we'll be talking about it for years to come. And I still think he has a public conversation going on with potential. Um, I, I, I think he still has some investigation that's directed his way. Yeah, and he's still yeah, in office right. and making decisions, and he's in charge for months to come. I mean, he's got six, eight months to go. So Right. So we'll be watching uh, that closely. But going to those more liberal seats, uh, I don't know if we saw this coming or not, but Utah's most liberal Senate district seat. Uh, this is where our former friend Jim uh, used to hang out in Salt Lake City. Jen Plum, at the moment we're speaking right now, this is about 2.53 as we're recording on Friday afternoon. Salt Lake County hasn't updated their numbers since yesterday. And she is ahead of Senator Derek Kitchen by 63 votes. And that just flipped yesterday. So she he was yeah. ju- she was just behind before yesterday's update, and that, that moved but that could go any way, given how thin that is. Yeah, that's really thin. We'll update today. That won't be the last tranche we'll see. There'll still be some trickles coming in. Needless to say, this is my Senate district. Oh, but is it? Yeah. Oh. And <clears throat> this was a really... It, it stands to reason. It's a totally liberal <laughs> Senate district, of course. I like to call it a bastion. <laughs> and I, But no, this was a really interesting race because they both... He had some name ID. It's also a rematch. She ran against him... Um, before and lost and lost by not very many. I can't. It was a few hundred, but it wasn't a few thousand. Um, and they both hit the streets. I mean, Derek Kitchen got really busy about. But I this, hear but that Jim, the redistricting favored her. It did. did. So it there did. was even that kind yes, of the, advantage the this time. The gerrymandering, around. trying to make this the less the de- when the Democrats less, do that, it's so off-putting. Less liberal because yes. apparently we didn't want a liberal district. We wanted to make it <laughs> less liberal. Less liberal. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> did you feel like you were served well by Derek Kitchen? You know, there's this too personal. The question, the rub of Derek was his effectiveness. Now, what's interesting about this is one could have made that argument with Jim DeBacus as well, but Jim sort of filled this space of public 
town crier. I mean, he sort of also had this ability to have a public conversation. Derek's a little quieter. He didn't do that. Um, he did take a very left of center, purist, liberal point of view in his legislation, which his constituents should appreciate. But the rub against him was, is he effective? Um, I do think it is for those of us who want to see diversity, um, it, it's a potential loss in that we he, he was a gay elected a member and he was able to bring that not only advocacy, but that he had walked in, you know, he had walked he, in the shoes. He was shoes. able to fill the gym to back his shoes. I found him, so I worked with him when he was a member of the city council. Right, because remember, he was city. a Salt Lake City Council, council member. member. He's, he's young. He did yep. that for, I want to say, two terms. He's uh-huh. a small business owner. And then he jumped to the Senate at, and, at when Jim. And yeah. Derek, for me, when I, I was Speaker of the House, we were working on the Operation Rio Grande issues, which were directly working with uh, the Salt Lake City Council and, and the mayor. I found him to be incredibly um, cooperative and, yeah. and good to work with. And But his persona in the Senate was more strident, and it was a little bit more combative than than the Derek Kitchen I knew that was council member uh, Derek Kitchen. And so I, it just it wasn't it just seemed like there was a different uh, role that he took in I, the legislature. And I will say if, if Jen Plum um, ends up winning, she's a doctor, she's an ER doc, and she is not um, going to shy away from having – a strong voice. I mean, she has yeah. been a strong advocate. People have known her name. She has brokered deals. Uh, she was really involved in the Niloxon debate on the on. Yep. So she's going to take up a lot of space, which I say is a compliment to her if she ends up being the winner. The interesting thing is, I don't know how you're a doctor, and we've had so many doctors in the legislature that how you're able to do this? that. Yes, because I know oh. it's not a year round job, but it's still a big chunk of your life. If my boss, if I said, hey, could I have this month off and then maybe a couple of weeks here for a special session, they'd be like, mm, that's not going to work out. Yeah. You know, what's interesting too, is I'm looking at the numbers here. Every set state Senate race statewide is a drubbing one way or, I mean, it's 70-30. It's 60-40. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's it, There's nothing that's close until you get to the Senate District 9. And, and that's even get incumbents losing by a big margin. Yeah. But you have Senate District, it's the only one that's right now statistically 50-50. And everything else isn't even remotely close. It's the only it's state Senate race in this entire state. It's a battleground. So we also saw two members of Senate leadership on the Republican side get challenged. Both of them won handily. So yes. that's Milner and Stevenson, and they're sort of north of us. And they did well. And then Gene Davis, who has been in the like Senate. 35 years, in I think, house. he's been yeah, there. He started yeah. in the House, went to the Senate. It has been forever. And boy, he got shellacked. Like he got uh, Evan, by a newcomer. Evan Vickers down in down south too is the Senate Majority yeah, that's Leader. Right. Seventy, he did, uh, seventy. He, he I think well. he was seventy thirty. He, I think he so. did really well too. That's so crazy. They all got, so they all did. well. And then Gene Davis, it got flipped. He wasn't he sort of thirty seventy lost. Yeah. So Close Nate Bluen, is that how you say his name? I haven't yeah. even met him yet. Um, he's a younger newcomer. Um, flipped that seat. It looks like. And then um, one thing that I thought was interesting too, I was keeping an eye on the Salt Lake County Council just because there's been a lot of talk with them over the pandemic and whether you should have masks or mandates or whatever. And interestingly enough, Steve DeBry, um, who is the incumbent, it looks like he currently is losing out to Sheldon uh, Stewart, who um, is currently ahead, which is interesting, um, a newcomer. So there's been a lot of interesting numbers looking at these races. And I think this is a new thing for Utah. We're not used to primaries in so many races. I think it's fun. I it is. I, it's hard for me to read because there's there's some votes like when you look at our federal delegation, all the incumbents won. Yeah. 
Yeah. And there it wasn't any it wasn't even close. Right. If you look at that. But then right. you look at a race like Steve DeBry. He represents a district in Salt Lake County that's it's it's like the south what yeah. southwest uh, and and part of the south. High I mean, name ID. Yes, yeah, southwest conservative. conservative. And I don't think he had wrong. I don't think his votes were bad. I don't know maybe he yeah. didn't lead with his chin, but I don't think he had bad votes. Uh, to see him lose that's a surprise for me to see hey gene davis senator Je- davis now he's been there a long long time but he wasn't blowing off that election i know people that were working on his race yeah. he was he was running a race i'm shocked to see that he got so roundly defeated so are people just in the mood for fresh blood I, and fresh i don't know people? I, I like i'm with greg the numbers are really mixed when one tries to stereotype, when one tries to trend after an election yeah. one would say okay so for the utah house if I had to pick a trend, I would say the trend was the more conservative candidate won. In an open competitive primary, the more conservative, the more strident candidate won. So I would say, oh, no, that's where we're headed. But then you saw voter turnout was um, higher than any place else in Salt Lake County. Salt Lake County content usually is moderates on affiliates. Democrats, it's a more it's a more centrist, mm-hmm. uh, albeit conservative maybe, but centrist. And then, like you said, I mean, we're seeing – we saw a couple of really traditional Republicans get challenged. Um, so I'm not sure where we're trending. I hope yeah. we miss it up a little. So I hope we're not as predictable. You have you have John Curtis. Uh, th- there was this Ver- Project Veritas thing, and there's always this talk because he'd been a Demo- registered Democrat before that he's kind of a, a Romney-crat or a, maybe a rhino, whatever whatever titles they want to give him. He has managed that famously where he right. got he won by such a large margin. But then you look in the same county at David Levitt, and he got crushed. Yeah. And so I, you know, but I they're just not the same. They're not I know, the sa- but certainly not the no same s- people. But I think some of the critics. narratives. I mean, a lot. Uh, Jeff Gray never went into this whole investigation thing. He was always about, and yeah. and it was part of the conversation yeah. about being soft on crime versus how he ran his about, office. You know, yeah, yeah, and cartels and getting rid of the special victims unit and all those things. Those were issues I think that did make it to the. But top. it is interesting. John Curtis performed better marginally. So all of our federal delegation handily won, no problems. Mm-hmm. But John Curtis performed better than Burgess Owens, and Burgess Owens took a really traditional sort of pro-Trump line, and yet John Curtis did better, and he would be considered more of an an. A, Reagan old school mainstream guy. Yeah. So I yeah. I don't know. I know it was interesting too because we also had Burgess um, not wanting to participate in the debate. Right. And so I didn't know how that would play in. And when you look at the Salt Lake County numbers, if you were just specifically to look at Salt Lake County, you can see where I think some of the Democrats who probably registered as Republicans kind of played in. And so if you were only playing with Salt Lake County numbers. This is an audio podcast, but you should have seen the look that Mara just <laughs> shot me with that they, they crossover Democrat vote. Becky Edwards, I mean, in Salt Lake County, she was 47,000 to 56,000 right. votes for Mike Lee. Then you look at Blake Moore, certainly not as close. Blake Moore was uh, 6,300 in Salt Lake County. Tina Cannon coming in with 2,000 and then Andrew Badger with 1,600. Aaron Ryder, though, bested Chris Stewart um, in House District 2, though, in Salt Lake County. Uh, she had 10,000 votes. He had closer to 9,000. And then you had John Curtis um, in Salt Lake County with 25,000 uh, to the 9,000 of Herod. So it's kind of interesting to see if that played in at all. So here's a, here's a riddle, okay? So I, I, Salt Lake County, because they got new voting machines, they're breaking down by precinct in real time. So, and they're even showing you who voted by mail versus who voted in person, which I find absolutely fascinating too. Less than 300 people, according to the, the at least up till now, they counted as voting in person. That's yeah. a, I would have guessed a lot larger number than Usually that. Usually it's a third that show up. On yeah, that. it's, it's so, and this is a lot less than that. But, but here's, here's what's interesting. Um, 
Jeff Stenquist is the, is the state house uh, rep for that area for yeah. that Your district. Your old seat, my old seat, and uh, and uh, Carolyn Fippen was the challenger, and she was running at, from uh, Jeff's right, so she she was more conservative or arguing that she was more conservative. If you watch the outcome of that race, because right now she's down by about seven points, and I don't know that she'll be able to make make that up as the yeah. as the numbers get uh, updated. Uh, that's a surprise. Or you're thinking, well, maybe Draper's a little more moderate. So then you go and you look at those same voters in those same precincts on the Mike Lee, Becky Edwards. Yeah. Mike Lee won every single precinct in Draper, but for one. So I hear you saying the Mike Lee is a secret moderate. No, I'm just saying like <laughs> people no, voted for Mike Lee we, and then they went to the left. Like, we're the, splitting. We are. Now no, we've I, always traditionally I, thought I about so our local guys that. differently than our federal people. Yeah. And I don't know if that's the big. I don't power know. of incumbency. I, I mean, don't know. I, I'm I think, just surprised. I, I would have thought a Mike to, Lee voter would be a Carolyn Pippen. Voter. I think we're super partisan about our federal politics right now. Yeah. We want to send, you know, fighters in. We want people to hold the trench lines in the Senate and the House. Okay. And maybe here we want sort of more moderate people making common sense decisions. <laughs> and so, I, I mean, that's sort of my take on it. Yeah, you had me up until a very until a until point. I then you ruined the whole thing. Yeah, then you had to just then you had to just ruin it. the whole thing. Hey, I don't want to leave the federal section before we also just keep an eye on Aaron Ryder. This, if you talk to her campaign. This was a setup year for her. I mean, it, she was trying to win, but she knew it would be hard to knock yeah. off an incumbent. And she, um, from all I she hear from her campaign, is that she's taking the long view. She's an attorney. Um, she's a traditional Republican. And I think this will not be the last. I think she won Salt Lake County. She did. She, she, yeah, she yeah did. that's she what I just said. In. And I think this won't be the last we see yeah. of her. I think she's someone to watch. It'll also be interesting to see what, if anything, Becky does with her her good amount of support. Yeah. Um, and, and does she do anything with it? And them? I thought that was interesting too, because we all went through the process of um, Allie Isom asking Becky to drop out and then vice versa. You know, which one was the better one to drop out? Becky was obviously, if you were looking at someone who was going to be vastly different than Mike Lee, she was the vastly different vote. Right. So the question is, you know, what is next, you know, for Becky? Does she try to, you know, run for Salt Lake County mayor or something. She's got a name for herself now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe she should get she could get some support because she's convinced Democrats, I think, to some extent that she could uh, work for them. And same with Republicans. So. Yeah. She lives in Davis, I think. In Davis. Um, oh, yeah. So that won't work so out. So that won't. But no. she could, you know, That's she true. Could I forgot about that. She ran make a, good, a mayor of Davis County. As, as a house member, she was a colleague I served yeah. with her. She was always known to be a, a, a ferocious campaigner. She was always a hard worker in her campaigns. Yeah. And I think that one of the things we always want to go to ideology or trends or there is something about shoe leather. There's something about the work yeah. ethic of candidates and she certainly has it. And so I think that a lot of what you're seeing by her, because I, I, I would argue with, I'd agree with you actually that it is electoral success to see how she distanced herself from Ali. I thought those two would pull kind of the non Mike Lee vote and you'd see kind of an even split the between split, the two. Yeah. She, she gained a, a lot of, a lot of support on her own and earned it. And um, and that's and I would attribute that to how hard she campaigns. And she's, she fundraised and she, pretty well for uh, yeah. A mil- I think at least a million and a half. Yeah. So, so yeah. we'll have to watch. I think that I think there are some people who lost who will be around still. Yeah, yeah. And the big question now is we had in um, to November, which isn't that far away when you think yeah. about it. Just a few months to go. Um, where will the senator Mike Lee Evan McMullen race go? Because Evan McMullen's been. Mara, do you well, you see, can see where Mike Lee thinks it's going to go. Mike Lee spent 
no time, wasted no time <laughs> in positioning Evan McMullen as this liberal, this Democratic candidate, which is, you know, that's where that's where the smart money is going to go is to pretend. I mean, Evan McMullen, the, the, the challenge that the Democrats have in not having a Democratic candidate is they don't have a Democratic yeah, candidate. That's right. I mean, Evan McMullen is in my world. He is every bit as conservative as Mike Lee. He just didn't see a path there in my mind. And so he's he's taking this, I'm everybody's guy, right? Yeah. I am an independent. Now, Mike Lee, I clearly, I think, has that same strategic assessment because, I mean, 10 minutes later, Mike Lee is saying, this dude's a Democrat, this guy <laughs> doesn't have a... <laughs> so so I, I, Mike Lee's numbers are pretty formidable. Republican incumbent numbers put in a blank there, are really formidable for general yeah. elections. Well, I do wonder if Democrats are regretting backing him, especially with the Roe v. Wade decision and uh, wanting to codify it into law, possibly, you know, well, in Congress, because that's not something that Evan McMullen will do. When I right. talked to him on election night, I did ask him about Utah's abortion law. And while he slightly danced around the issue, he supports what Utah's abortion law is. It's on hold right now, but he right. supports that, and he's yeah. um, did definitely he, pro-life. Did he happen to say whether he supported the, the Supreme Court's decision to throw out Roe v. Wade? Did he mention that? I can't remember his exact wording, but the feeling I got from it was that he supported that decision to send it to the states and then supported Utah's law. So, And he talked about what a lot of Republicans are talking about right now, finding ways to support women while they're pregnant and make sure that if we are having babies, they're supported. So, so it, it definitely sounded so, like a Republican answer. So, you know, I've, I've, I've said this isn't news for, I mean, I've, I've been very uh, skeptical of that campaign from day one. With the Roe v. Wade decision, I think it's, it's going to have kind of the effect we're seeing in Wyoming with Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney's been a darling of the Democrats as she's gone after uh, Donald Trump uh, in these January 6 hearings, and there was a strong push for Demo- Wyoming Democrats to affiliate as Republicans to help her out in that Republican primary until she came out publicly in support for and praising the decision of the Supreme Court of, th- throw- of, uh, of throwing out Roe v- versus Wade. Democrats immediately... I retreated many. I mean, it was it was in a number of news publications that they retreated from Liz Cheney because they were so angry at that that show of support for that decision to uh, throw out Roe v. Wade. So, if you want to be everything, if you're go, now, let's go to Utah. If you want to be everything to everybody, mm-hmm. and you want to hug it out, you got a Roe v. Wade decision that's just a yes or no question. And I don't know how you work your way around that, Evan McMullen. You're either going to say, I agree with that decision. And at that point, I don't know what Democrat is like, yeah, that's well, our guy. Well, here's what's even more interesting. I mean, Liz Cheney didn't leave her party. Her her party may have left her, but Liz Cheney never said, I'm not a right, Republican. Right. And never stood for Cheney values, which if anyone was ever confused about the Cheney families point of view, it's a Republican point of view. What's unique about Evan is he did court the Democrats like he he did court them he yeah, showed up at move. their convention yeah and and actively and and had Ben McAdams actively negotiate for him so now now it's tricky to get back into the middle um, and what we have found much much to my disappointment is that we found people say that they want moderates but when we vote for federal candidates, we vote for firebrands. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I will be very surprised if he comes out in support of the Supreme Court's deci- recent decision that a pro-life candidate will be attractive to Democrats to vote for, even against Mike Lee. I think it's gonna, they're going to feel betrayed to some degree. 
Uh, Spencer Cox, Governor Cox has said he supports the, the Supreme Court's decision on a legal basis. He, he studied it in law school. He's looked at it. He doesn't. He says, you know, morals and religion aside, legally he thinks the Supreme Court did the right thing. If Evan McMullen comes out saying, I don't agree with the Supreme Court's decision, he comes out to the left of which Spencer he hasn't Cox, done, which he so hasn't far. done. Yeah. But if he doesn't do it, I just think that you can't be all things to all people and be pro-life and, and support that decision and have excited Democrats wanting to vote for you in the Good fall. news is we'll have lots to talk So that's a, that's a one-question deal that I think that is the why. the because he was the anything the but tr- like any yeah. just anything but Trump. So right. I mean, because even Senator Mike Lee, I believe, voted for Evan McMullen in the presidential election. If I'm right. remembering correctly, I mean, because remember, Mike Lee was against Trump until he was for Trump. Yeah, he was. Yeah, and I think a lot of Republicans didn't like the. Well, I can't. Not say everyone that word was on this as insightful as I was. I knew from the beginning. I, I think was a lot of Republicans, early. even Mitt sure. Romney, admits that well, he, they don't like the blow and the bluster of Trump or a lot of his, I don't know, attitudes towards women or whatever it is, they liked his policies. And I think that a lot but of Republicans whatever, went that way. Whatever. Yeah. The Republicans saying that they love his policies is capitulating that they can't find anyone with a moral compass or character and values that also uphold their poli- their their policies. A two for one deal is And nice. I say that's not true. I've met a bunch of lovely, thoughtful, history-knowing Republicans who also agree with Trump's strategy. So I say get someone who's thoughtful, smart, knows I, what they're I doing, not mentally a, I think, ill. I think Trump did a phenomenal job, and I think that it's the reason why he had the more, more minority votes uh, for a Republican candidate for president since Eisenhower. And I think it's because he did empower inner cities. He did look for economic solutions for everybody. He did. It turns out that, that even those that live along the border that are Hispanic do not like the lawlessness and the lack of a border and the cartels running the world. They don't like it. That's why these, and so I think, he did, a, I think sure he did those, a great job. I don't think he's the racist that everybody said he was. Just to be sure to so parse many minorities that language, voted he for performed him. better with Hispanics than any other Republican. Not to be confused. Minorities, with, not just, not just, not just Hispanics. That, that minorities voted in the plurality for him. It was that he just has outperformed other Republicans. Just to be clear on where his numbers were. Yeah, but but they're only getting better. I mean, in terms of them being coming over to the Republican side, I don't think that happens if you didn't have Trump's leadership in those four years. I'm just saying, he still didn't win. All right. It'll be interesting to see. And for Senator Mike Lee, I'll be interested to see how the next four months shake out. Uh, do either of you want to make a call on that? Is Mike Lee going to retain his seat? Oh, I, like I yes. said, you have a standing <laughs> bet here. Anyone who thinks otherwise, yes. I will bet you right now. And money talks and BS walks. Who wants to bet that Ooh. Mike Lee... I'll bet you that Mike Lee wins. Anyone want to take Kevin? You do not have to be Nostradamus on this. I'm going. Yes, <laughs> yes, Mike Lee is going to win. I just I'm like hearing you say it. Okay? I like hearing you say it. <laughs> I'm, oh, and and Heidi's playing. You know, she's calling balls and strikes over there. I she have you both on the record. She doesn't want to be. Heidi Hatch has one she doesn't vote for U.S. Senate. I can guarantee her that one. She yes. doesn't want to tell you that. We only get one it. vote. I'm probably going to write in one of you. I don't know no, which that's what one I'm of saying. you I'm yet. saying that you have my yeah. vote. Okay. You yes. have my vote. Thank you. Start the Heidi Hatch campaign. All right. I'm Join me. It. I've got an alliteration I here. voted for, I wrote <laughs> in Ari me. Gold once. Join me. You did? Ari Gold. I'm writing in Heidi Hatch. Entourage. Thank you, Mara. I wrote yeah. in Ari Gold once. Yeah. All right. Well, I can't wait for the November election. More things to talk about. But we've been talking about in the context of where our congressional seats are going to go, uh, Roe v. Wade, which happened last week. I was here at work on Friday night, uh, stayed in the office all night long, watching everything closely, wondering if there was going to be violent protests. But everything stayed pretty calm, I would say, here in Utah and nationally, which was good to see. Um, 
do you think there was maybe less emotion coming out of the decision because we had two months to think about it, Mara? For sure. I do. I mean, I think it was a continuation of a conversation we had had for two months. I will say, I'll t- I'll take a moment to criticize the Biden administration. I was surprised they didn't seem as prepared for, that was I don't know, like they, they didn't have as prepared of a strategy from the White House as I would have expected, given that you had, you know, two months worth of prep up on that and including some House and Senate members. So I don't think the Democrats came out as strong as they should have and as clear as they should have. Citizens certainly yeah. did. I Tell mean, me if I'm wrong, though. I feel like Democrats and largely the party and at least a lot of the people who are allowed in the Democratic Party right now are left where President Biden truly is and where he's kind of been his whole life when he's been working in the Senate and now, you know, from vice president to president, he's definitely more of a centrist Democrat. And so I think a lot of people wanted him to dig in and say, we're going to fight this tooth and nail. We're going to do something to change it. But if you look back to the eighties, he was actually voting in the Senate. I think it was 81 or 82 uh, to actually turn the decision over to states themselves. So it's not vastly different from From where he was. I also don't, I want to give voice to one of the other things that I think you saw when this finally came out. And for a lot of people, what you saw was sorrow. And so I don't want to, I I think we didn't respond with as much anger, but I don't want to leave out those voices who are really afraid and scared and a lot of sadness there. And that's a quieter protest. I mean, that is, and and I did see a lot of that. And I I think that deserves to have a moment of voice there. I've been, I've been expressing, I don't know if you can tell, less opinion and more analysis to these elections. So let me, let me continue at least in my Mm. perceived vein. All right. Maybe I'm, maybe I am still opinionated, but I think I'm being very analytical. James Carville is so mad right now. And the reason he's, and I love his take because on this. Because he and his wife don't get along? Or? <laughs> no, he's like, <laughs> he thinks that these Supreme Court rulings that have come out should allow for a, a Democrat landslide on, on whether it be environment with this latest EPA ruling, whether it be Roe v. Wade. He thinks that these rulings are the greatest gift for Democrats in America that the Americans aren't going to ever notice. And why? Because James Carville is complaining that there is more discussion on gender, more discussion mm-hmm. on cultural uh, battles of these things. And it's at the same time, gas is at over $5 a gallon, inflation's high, other things are going on. And so he feels like this incredibly important and almost obligatory move against what the Supreme Court did in terms of, okay, if we're going to lose it in the courts, let's, in, in the come election time, let's have a great response. The American people aren't, in his analysis, and I would agree, paying it as close of attention to it because there's other pressing matters and other things that are taking up our time. If the economy was doing great, things were going well, we could start to have some philosophical discussions about what happened in these discuss- in these decisions. But I think times are pretty tough right now, and I think that there's a lot going on and I think there's a lot coming at the American people right now where these these decisions, Carville says it was the perfect time for Dem- Republicans to do this. Perfect. I mean, they could do it, and there's just there's nobody's paying attention to this the way they should. They're talking about things that don't relate to the kitchen table in America right now, and, and the things that do relate to them are not – they're not going to be these decisions. They're going to be the things that are them trying to run a household and pay bills. Speaking of that um- – 
I saw a tweet today. I haven't. I don't. I try not to watch a lot of CNN, uh, Fox yeah, News, CNBC, no, Fox like News any of that. No, no, watch that. That's just okay. all of that. I just really it's all you. performative for me, and it's exhausting. You'll but love I saw it. a tweet, and I had to listen to it, and I'm like, is this real? So on CNN, um, one of their anchors asked, what do you say to those families? And this was a Biden advisor spokesperson. What do you say to those families that say, listen, we can't afford to pay four eighty five a gallon for months, if not years? Which is funny, because I think we're paying five twenty here in Utah. And the Biden advisor says, this is about the future of the liberal world order, and we have to stand firm. And I'm like, if I were doing PR for them, I don't know if <laughs> you that, know, would, going that with would the, be the liberal line. world order. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. This is the liberal world <laughs> order. Fall in line. Yeah. Like, it just didn't seem like the right answer. But it is going to be interesting to see if some of these um, decisions that are coming down from the Supreme Court really get people out there voting, get them fired up, or if people are more worried about what their um, you know account balance is. Before we let you go on the abortion issue, though, a lot of people always want to know, why don't Republicans show up? If you're so pro-life, why aren't you showing up in numbers and standing up there with signs and saying, thank you for this ruling? I, I think there will be a celebration at the Capitol on Saturday. I think they're going to have one. Um, I... I I do. I think I, I think they will show up. I, I look. I don't think anyone wants any confrontation. I think this whole country is tired of, of confrontation so. and, and everything else. And I don't think anyone's looking for a fight. Uh, but there will be a, a demonstration or a celebration, rather, at our state capitol on Saturday. I don't know what else is happening, but look, I mean, I again, this is a historic moment. But I don't feel like it's the as front burner as you everyone would have thought if you came to a day like this. Because of how much is going on right now. I just think that there's so much uncertainty. I mean, I, I just, things I always took for granted, food on shelves, you know, being able to buy food and not worry about it, uh, flights that arrive on time unless there's some extreme issue that happened. We don't have flights. We don't have uh, the ability to travel with gasoline over $5 a gallon. We don't have, you know, we have food shortages uh, going on right now. We have all these just things that I think um, are I think they leave people stressed. Well, I mean, I we've it, always felt like on one hand, politics is complicated. And on the other hand, it's just human nature, right? Yeah. So you're talking about our hierarchy, hierarchy of needs. Yes. And we are on that right now right. of what our needs are. Now, I know that those listening who are seeing their fundamental liberties being taken away are going to start shouting, wait, that's my need. But when you really assess the word need, there is a difference between sort of what allows me to function every day. And I do think what is resonating with Americans that we're finding fewer and fewer of are just people who we can hear, politicians yeah. that we can hear and are saying things that resonate with us. And it'll be interesting to see how I, I, the Supreme Court rulings have been a bunch of sea changes. I mean, they are they are very disruptive right now. I mean, they're, they're, they're putting in some big stuff and we're paying more attention than ever. I read this thing that people were like, why are they, the Supreme Court's ruling like they never have. And I'm like, they do no, it they every all, year. They do it every year. At yes. this time, we just didn't pay attention. Yeah. Um, but it, I do think America's reeling and I hope we can find some ways to stabilize it. I will give an additional shout out and continue to for the fact that we passed a bipartisan gun bill. Yes. And the reason that that's monumental is it's guns and that is a hard Greg and I can tell you that's the a first hard time issue to talk years. about yeah. and in 30 years and it's it impossible was, for me to it, talk in this podcast about bipartisan and so hopefully we can find some places where we can just chip away Greg's making faces if no, he were I'm not there. making faces I'm just trying to stay out of her line of sight because I know she gets mean about this one Republicans were not thrilled about the red flag laws that made it into that bill but um, do you see why there could be some good that comes from that 
Uh, no, I, I think violent crimes. Why we have gun crime, gun crimes? I think I, I think if we're not going to charge violent crimes with guns, you're going to have problems with guns. And until you until you start doing that, that's going to be the bigger reason. So you why. didn't like that we passed a bipartisan gun bill? I think it's a distraction. I don't, I, I think a distraction. I think, yeah, from I don't. What? I don't think it's. I think it's ranging chairs on a Titanic. If you want to, if you want to address gun gun, I don't know why I'm getting in this with you. I we've already done this a hundred times. I think that the crimes are being committed with guns should be enhanced, and you should penalize people for... Uh, there should be... There right, should that's be, your ideal legislation. You I'm just saying, cr- don't you think it was monumental that, that we could pass any legislation? Well, yeah, okay, let's go to the any category. Let's go to the any category. I think... I, I've, when I was a public servant, I did embrace finding common ground, and I, and I find it in state legislatures easier to do, certainly than nationally. So I, I, I do think that finding common ground is an important part of, of being in public service. That specific bill, eh. So. Yeah, I I do. I, it's the first time I've seen any kind of consensus on anything I of late. So honestly, you know, just seeing people sit down and having to talk about a real issue and finding consensus, I'm a big fan of. Uh, one thing that people have been talking about is the Remain in Mexico policy, um, that it was properly ended by President Biden. We've talked about this in the past, and I think we can all agree that um, by ending it, I mean, there's going to be a flood of people coming in that we probably can't handle and hasn't been fixed in the proper way. But the reason why President Biden had it in place, legally there weren't great reasons to keep it in place of, for how it was done. Here's here's what's tough about immigration. That remain in Mexico was toxic and, and temporary policy that should have remained policy. I felt like it was bad policy from the beginning. But the hard part is America is not handling immigration. So we, it's hard to yeah. not conflate those issues. Right. But those are two issues. Bad policies need to be put to bed. And yet at the same time, it's hard to applaud um, anything going on with immigration right yeah. now because the United States refuses to deal with it holistically. And if you don't deal with it holistically, then you just get these bad fixes over and over again. And they really do. And I think that's one of those things that when, I mean, for decades, when you look back until probably this last presidential election, everyone running for president, whether they were a Democrat or Republican, were talking about wanting to fix the border and talking about, um, properly making sure that, you know, who was coming in and out of our borders. And I think it was really this last election where we kind of heard a a change of heart on that. But I think if we all sit down, they need to look at the DACA that keeps getting pushed off. They need to look at, um, you know, the refugee crises. They need crises. They need to look at who's coming across the southern border. There's a lot to look at, and I think that that's something we could probably sit down on. And it's woven together. So just pulling yeah. on one side isn't it, working. And, it, and it's in the Democrats' best interest to to do more than just have open borders because there's crime. There's things that happen. This the the remain in Mexico was. I'm seeking asylum. I'll have a hearing to determine whether I I'm eligible for asylum to enter the country. Uh, you get a court date set. When you come into the United States, many people who don't have a very good reason kind of just meld in and don't appear for that court hearing and go in. In fact, it's a very low percentage of people that actually qualify for asylum. But when you let everyone in, give them the court date, there's a lot of people that don't come back for that court date. And that's why they were saying you're going to wait in Mexico until that court date for that asylum hearing. The 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 people that are – whatever consequence comes from however many people come here under the banner of I'm seeking asylum but do not make it to their court hearings – and if there is increased crime or whatever happens, there's a consequence. And I don't think that that's the, 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 
opinions about those consequences will fall on racial lines of Hispanics or white people or whatever. I think it's going to be people that want public safety. I think it's why you see some of these congressional districts that are predominantly Hispanic are, are looking at Republican candidates for the first time because they want public safety. They want order. And to Mara's point, you cannot, you know, strain at gnats and swallow camels. It makes no sense to me that you have such strict, strict immigration laws my throat on hurts one to side. Keep up swallowing a camel. Uh, yeah, yeah the America does it very well. You have such such strict immigration laws over here, and then you just have this. You have you just have anarchy. You have lawlessness over there. I mean, it it makes no sense at all. But one of the things we have to deal with with immigration is um, America's role in the fleeing of South America. I mean, we act like the drug trade has nothing to do with our appetite for drugs, which is remarkable. And also, we have to acknowledge that we have a huge bias, if not racism, towards brown people. And that uh, is a part of the discussion. That. I know you don't, but I do. And I think that has why, to be why a are component Hispanics turning of the, to the Republican the, Party it, if it's all based on racism. They're, Why you're acting like they're going over in droves, and it's largely moral issues. And so, no, I, th- I think and, immigration policy is one of them. And so, I think immigration though has to be dealt with holistically, and that means there'll be winners and losers, and that means people will be upset. Tall, tall wall, wide fence. That's just that wide is, gate. How about that? that? That's Neanderthal. Tall wall, that's wide stupid. Gate. Is what it is. No, it isn't. China tried it with their big wall. That is like the no, that is the no, lowest you just, stupidest. You need to know the people coming in, and you need to not make that's it so not, hard to come in. No, that but is. But you need to so know who's coming one, into your country. So you want to? Why don't we start that wall in Canada? Oh wait, white people live in Canada. No, they so, don't. They don't sneak I mean, over illegally. Are they? They're we white, have a board, and we accept we have them. We don't have a problem. Greg, this, we don't have the same the problem. racism that goes on on our south border is tremendous. But I just think I we are, I know, I, that's part of the challenge. And I, But I do think we have to view it holistically, and we keep taking sections of people and acting like we can't accommodate this. We have long been historically... You have people who migrate for their visas... And they're Immigrants expiring, and they're going commit through fewer so many crimes legal hoops. And pay more. They're going Immigrants through so many are better hoops. citizens than most citizens Listen, are. But, but Mara, you have so many people going through legal hoops who assumed that our laws applied, and so they're trying to do it the legal way, and, it, and they're getting the runaround. Immigrants and then you have commu- other other places where they just they come across without any interruption. It's, it's not right for all the people the that United would like States to immigrate are to the United States. Hardworking. I'm just Good saying, people. people that don't assume that the laws don't apply and they actually try to follow the law, they're punished in our system right now. So we need to right come up now. with a system we can all agree yes. on and figure it out. Come on, that's Congress. That's why I it say it. Do you know what the problem is? There's always another election that we're always like, that's oh, but I can't because no. there's another election and then they because won't Because I actually think we agree on most. And in fact, if you look at the history of immigration law, you couldn't tell the difference between Republicans and Democrats half the time. They switch policy sides pretty constantly. Yeah. And I think part of the problem really? is, yeah, it's all election Not driven. Yeah. Hey, we're almost out of time. Um, I do have a breaking news update from Salt Lake County all before right. we get on to this Ooh. next EPA ruling. Uh, Jen Plum uh, continues to be in the lead by 50 points with the latest update. So it's oh, so 13 less. Yes. Yeah, so um, I think it's a oh, wait. So Jen Plum is at 4,296 and Derek Kitchen at 4,245. So 51 um, votes separate them. So um, We'll probably have to wait till next Tuesday get to get another update. So yeah. anyhow, we get those numbers as they come here on the podcast. Before we go, though, I want to talk really quickly about this um, EPA decision that came down from the Supreme Court as well. Uh, the big question is, Mara, is this going to change our ability to have clean air as we move forward? Because this really regulates um, 
a very specific uh, portion of, I'm looking at this, um, the so limited they, emissions. They, they narrowed. Yes, yes. They narrowed the ability of EPA to regulate and, and interfere, if you will. And I think the reason that that's harmful is we're at a point with climate change and we're at a point with industry where we have to take big gear moments. We can't do little gears. And by the narrowing of EPA's authority, um, it's going to be a significantly harder to move to a cleaner-based economy. So I think we can do it, and I think we still need to, but this was a blow structurally to the power to ask, act holistically on the EPA's part. Do we think that uh, the problems we're having with gas prices right now will make us just change without laws anyways and head towards more electric vehicles or making, you know, better changes well, just because we realize we need You don't even to. have to change that much. I mean, you know, Brazil has had flex fuels for 25, 30 years. You could stay with, I mean, electric, there's a role for electric vehicles, but you could move to a cleaner-based fuel system, still use what we would see as cars, still pull up to yeah. what we would see as a pump. There are lots of ways to clean up our our energy model and be free of the geopolitics that that gas and oil. If brings. we could find a car that could run on urine, there we you would go. be good forever. But well, if well, let me ask you this: that out because we What's could all the Democrat plan for electric vehicles when we're having brownouts in parts of the country and we're we're, we're seeing the the electrical grid have challenges? What's the what's to make the that work? I think you that? would have to have more nuclear power. Maybe I'm wrong, but it no, seems but, like we but, certainly. But, but they're pushing so for EVs I, right I, now. They, like even they, when those I say people, federal I, government I, is even UDOT's trying to get EV like charging stations by you know with these grants. They're doing this. But the more we depend on these electrical vehicles, where's that Where's that a power grid coming from? Amen. I, as you know, and I won't speak for the Democrats because I don't <laughs> need to, but I will you, say you that, that diversification is going to be our answer, right? It's not going all in on one, and that's why I like alternative fuels. We haven't even... Well, can you get a memo to methane? your party that that needs to happen? Because they're all in on just electric, and they're yeah. not they're not talking know, diversification. They're not trying to drive to St. George or Las Vegas. No, you they don't live in the West. <laughs> you, yeah, where they're like yeah. waiting you for You guys always have these memos. I always find out that there's this school of thought I never heard about, and, every, you? and you all have it. You all have it root down. Do you down. guys talk about it behind closed doors no, when you're I having just, your closed just, doors it's, meetings? It's when I misspeak, and someone corrects me that I said something wrong and it's because you had a memo that I you got. I do think we can't move from one unisource to another. And I think that while batteries right. are a part of it, what we're not considering with batteries is right now they take more coal to get to your door. <laughs> and we're not talking about the fact that um, essential or precious minerals, minerals yeah. are going Lithium, to be a bear copper. for everybody. Yeah, because it's an extraction industry. But at the same time, if you live in Utah where air is of you know, concerned to everybody that zero emissions matters. So it's going to be weighing what it is, but we have so many alternative fuels. I mean, I'm going to give a shout out to USTAR, which the um, legislature took apart. They were funding ethanol programs, methane programs, hydrogen programs that were really looking at cutting edge ways to take what is now waste and turn it into fuels. And you could adopt that to our, our new vehicles. I mean, that's remarkable. So the technology what about natural is there. gas. Do you like that? The flaring that? of natural gas. Natural I'm gas vehicles. Getting, I'm not I like get natural caught gas. in your trap. Yeah. That's one of your diversifications <laughs> of fuels that would there be There definitely good. has to be diversification because when you look at electric vehicles, like you talked about the mining, because I mean, mining creates its own problems. When right. you have a battery that dies after a couple of years, you've got to stick it somewhere, then it goes in the earth, and then it's causing more toxic problems. So you might be cleaning up the air and making the earth dirty mm-hmm. at the same time. So I don't know that just fixing, fix, finding another bad 
thing that we could do fixes all of you our can't problems. Can't just move just the switch. problem around. Yeah. yeah, it was kind of when they were trying to get rid of plastic straws. I remember um, Starbucks changed and got rid of the plastic straws, and they got a different lid. But the lid used more plastic than they were That's using. That's right. I remember original. that too. So I mean, they tried to fix the straw problem and then used more single-use plastic. I will say just way. to give just to give um, Greg a bougie thing to hate Ooh. over the July Fourth <laughs> holiday. I have moved to compostable Ziploc oh, bags. God. So maybe maybe so, yeah, I'll give like, the. He's Isn't your birthday guys. in July? Am I no, remembering that? No, my birthday's in October. I, it is? Mm-hmm. Something, okay. Well, I might give you, for your birthday, I'm going to give you compostable Ziploc I should bags. check those out. I use They're a lot great. more glass containers because I, I don't do like too. my food yeah. to taste like plastic and plastic I, baggies do that too I, sometimes. I share yeah. that with you. So what are you they You know, both of? of you have these like portable things that you, you reuse. Do you wash them enough? Do they get dirty? I mean, do you wash those things? I do. No, I, I throw mine on the ground. I'm telling yeah, they, you, they, they I just, they I don't think they get, get clean enough. I wash mine out really good, but my husband did send me a TikTok the other day. He sent it. We have like a group family chat where he sent us this video. And all of a sudden the next day in the kitchen, I saw both kids down there scrubbing out their lids and yeah. taking I'm out the rubber I'm telling you, pieces. they can get gross. And that's why you don't use those jetted tubs. Remember they were all the rage in the I 90s? I agree with that. Those things, man, those are They're gross. Nasty. You're not going to uh. see me in a community. Hot tub. No, no way. I have a jetted tub in the house I live in, live in currently. We bought the house ten years ago. I have never stepped foot in that tub mm-hmm. before, except for to vacuum out Don't, the dust. Things grow in <laughs> it there. scares me to death, and it's on our list of things to rip it out and put a new one in. But I'm like, Gah. yes, I agree. Yeah, I love how there's stairs up to them, so you have to like climb the mountain to get to those <laughs> cool tubs. Okay, so Greg, are you blowing up fireworks this weekend? No, I oh man, I used to have so much fun. My my fourth day was my all time favorite holiday, but. You know, when you start breaking these traditions that you always do, then it's hard to come back into them. So the last few years with droughts and COVID, it's ruined my 4th of July. The only thing I have left is Rocky Four. Well, I'll watch Rocky Four with my boys. Well, that'll be fun. All right, that's I nice. do that every 4th of July. Okay. Are yeah. you going to blow some stuff up? No, we're not going to blow anything up. I, I don't know if I'm committed to the laser show yet um, that we're that the city's doing instead of fireworks. I, I'm not down on it. I just don't know that we're going to trudge out to see it where are they going to laser things on? i don't know i didn't I gotta look know. that up hmm. yeah i don't know i just know that the council a few months ago voted for lasers over fireworks so we're, we're gonna do the usual just you know eat we'll probably play a little bochi Ooh, there you go yeah. and if you sit on your front porch you can watch other people blow up their money we, yeah, i That's can my see big the big stadium so i can you know Watch that. They're so expensive, fireworks, that yeah. every time my kids want to buy them, even if we weren't in a drought situation, I'm like, how about we just light our dollar bills on fire and, and see how fun that <laughs> is? And they do smell. No, I, yeah. do. I, I, used to, I love that. But I do have a 4th of July playlist of songs I play all day that are all... Okay, what's like your number Lee one Like Greenwood hit? kind of stuff? Yeah, Lee Greenwood. I Coming play. I play. I even uh, play Neil Born Diamond. in the USA, even though Springsteen, it's like an anti-Vietnam song. I don't care. I like Born all in the right. USA. I play that one. I play Living in America by uh, James Brown. Okay. I play, um, what are some of the other ones I play? Anyway, I, I've got a playlist. You play and my Neil kids, Diamond, don't you? Born in the no, USA is good. I don't. You I don't, don't like Neil Diamond. No, but my kids know this playlist, and they actually cringe sometimes. But Is it a playlist that's public where we can all listen yeah, to it? No, I don't, I don't publicize my playlists. <laughs> <laughs> Greg. Fine. This is not a privacy problem. Yeah. We're exactly. not going to listen to you. Like, i got too many haters already. Netflix Someone will take offense over my my 4th of July playlist. Someone will find something wrong with it. Again, one of these Democrat memos I didn't get or something. Greg says, pointing at me. I think it's okay to God bless America. Yeah, Little Pink Houses. You know, pink Houses from John Mellencamp. That's a great song. All right, That's hit play and put song. it by your microphone. All right, yeah. This, you're going to play us out right here. Do some bumper music yeah. for us. <laughs> yep. Little pink houses for you and me. Ain't that America? 
Yep, no, that's good. That is a good one. Well, thanks for being with us. We hope you have a happy and safe 4th of July. We're going to be taking a little break over uh, July. We'll be back again talking big issues because they never go away here. There's always something. And if we feel like there needs to be breaking news where we've got to break into your July, we'll, oh, we'll be it. here. Yes. We're because you never know what's going to happen. We're nimble that way. We are nimble. Have a great weekend. Tell your friends about us. Give us a two thumbs up or five stars if you like us. In America, Charlie week. Daniels looked that one up very good. Ooh, in America. There you have it, Charlie everyone. Daniels. Exercise videos and songs to play this weekend. You're going to be booked. <laughs> you know what we do?